What's up, everybody? How's it going? What's good? It is me. It is me, the big old Stevie C, kicking it with you on a Sunday afternoon, looking as only I can look here on the Heel and Face podcast, the podcast dedicated to the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. That's right. I finally got that move down, and I'm glad you could join me today. This is going to be an interesting day. The uh, number one professional wrestling organization in the world, UFC, is had their pay-per-view last night, UFC 264. You know, I don't really talk much about uh, UFC, but uh, it was huge for a lot of reasons. And the tie-in, ladies and gentlemen, is that it is, like, basically, it was full of wrestling references last night. Uh, And I'm going to break down at least two of them that I noticed and then the rest, you can just kind of like, we can analyze it as a, as a performance and, and whatnot. And I know some of you out there may, uh, you know, don't like your food touching, so to speak. I know some of you out there don't like uh, one thing because you like the other. You hate MMA, but you like pro wrestling or you like pro wrestling and hate MMA or, or, or whatever. Um, yeah, did I just say the same thing twice? Probably. But you get my drift. I think that uh, they're very similar but different uh, combat sports, and uh, I'm going to bring out some similarities in last night's. Because honestly, if you broke a couple of those down, a couple of the matches down, which we will in the second half of the show, we will look at how, for all intents and purposes, a lot of that was booked. And it's no different than booking a pre-kayfabe wrestling card. So we'll uh, analyze 264 for you. Have the winners and a big giant loser. We'll talk about him later. But of course, uh, this podcast is dedicated to pro wrestling. So we will get all of the news and the information on pro wrestling uh, done and, and out of the way for you. So you can continue to enjoy uh, the beautiful day. But thanks for joining me here on the Healing Face podcast. And uh, I'm always psyched to have you here. And uh, if you can't join me live, by the way, you can join me on my other various social media sites. I'm basically wherever social media is. I'm trying to grow the brain in different ways. Not that there's anything wrong with Facebook. Certainly there's nothing wrong with Facebook. But it's always good to diversify. So you can also find me on Minds. You can find me on Locals. Uh, those two platforms, uh, as of right now, are not able to support uh, necessarily live unless you have to pay, I think, for their paywalls or whatever. But um, I try to take parts of the show and upload them there so you can catch me there. I also upload the audio version of the podcast. And if you can't join me there either, you can definitely go to your favorite audio podcast streaming service and just like michael jackson said i'll be there so you can check me out all over the web different streaming services facebook twitter minds locals and all your favorite audio streaming podcast services so check me out there and by the way just don't check me out of course you need to go to heel turn wrestling's facebook page That is our bread and butter. That is our home base. That is all we do. That is what we live for. And right now we are at, I think, 98,000, almost close to 99,000. We're going to get to 100,000 before the year is through. We're having some issues uh, with Facebook, honestly. And we're trying to work them out. Uh, The uh, Swami, the head honcho, the big cheese, uh, the kappa, the tutakapi, uh, Billy Alexander's getting all that hopefully straightened out and figured out very soon so you can uh, hope that we can somehow monetize and when we monetize daddy it's over to the moon as I always say so speaking of Billy Alexander you can check out all of his podcasts uh, behind the mic with Billy Alexander and the franchise takes five here on heel turn wrestling and he also is down with 
uh, promoting Wrestling for the Cure. So that is a great uh, charity event, a great fundraiser. He gets local independent talent from his neck of the woods in Illinois, tries to pull from uh, the Illinois, Missouri, Indiana area to get the finest in independent wrestlers. And uh, he's trying to take this uh, thing uh, pretty wide. So we got to support that. And of course, it is wrestling for the cure of, I believe, uh, cancer. So uh, it's it's dope. Check his sites out with that. He's preoccupying himself with that for right now, too. So uh, you got to look that up and give that a shot. Uh, you can also uh, check out the podcast from our partners, uh, our bros over there at NWA, Pierce Austin, and all of his amazing podcasts. And then you can check out the boys of To The Turnbuckle. Sorry, my voice is a little scratchy. I can't do my Cameron Grimes right now. But if I did, just imagine I did. Check out the guys at To The Turnbuckle, Logan, Travis, and Bruiser Jason. And check them all out. Uh, they're, uh, they're lit, as the kids say. So we're not just doing this podcast. Oh, no, we do a bunch of different stuff here on Heel Turn Wrestling. So go we'll check them out at Heel Turn Wrestling's Facebook page at HTW Wrestling 316. It's HT Wrestling 316. And, uh, yeah, hit us up there. Bro, you'd be glad you did. So let's just get right into the news so we can then discuss uh, about what's going on with um, to UFC 264, shall we? We shall. Let's roll, Daddy. Um, speaking of, this this whole podcast, really the superstar of the week is Dirtbags because that's the theme of this podcast. This theme of today's podcast is Dirtbag. There's Dirtbags all over MMA right now. There's Dirtbags... Uh, over, um, you know, uh, uh, the wrestling world and MMA world. Sorry, I spaced out for a second there. Saw a comment and shout out, by the way, to the man himself. So, uh, dirtbags all over wrestling, dirtbags all over MMA. And we're going to start off with this dirtbag. And I'm sorry, I've never met him, don't know much about him, other than he's part of the family, he's part of the bloodline, but yeah, here we are. WWE superstar Jimmy Uso, aka Jonathan Fatu, was arrested again for driving under the influence. This isn't his... First time, by the way, I think this might actually be like the second or third time. And let's be honest. Let's be frank about this, shall we? Driving under the influence of whatever chemical substance you had been partaking with that night is one time too many. And I'm not trying to pontificate, get on a high horse either about this, but we live in a distracted world. We're either distracting while we're driving with texts, with our phone, with with kids in the back seat, with drinking or, you know, using other substances. This isn't funny. This is not funny. It's not funny. It's not cute. And, and, and yeah, I'm going to bury him a little bit because guess what? Jimmy's going to kill you. Just chant, Jimmy's gonna kill you because it's gonna happen. And I'm not trying to make light of the situation. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm gonna keep it real because that's what I do on my podcast. I keep it real. He is going to kill someone someday. And I don't know what to do about it. Like, the sad fact is that they keep allowing him to work because he was there. I mean, now, in fairness, to the WWE, I'm not sure of the timeline between that incident and SmackDown. So it could have already been taped. It most likely that episode was already taped. It was probably after that episode that he was um, arrested, detained for it. 
but he is going to hurt somebody. He's going to kill someone before something happens. And um, I don't know why he keeps getting multiple chances. Uh, you know, you can do your own investigation, but if you uh, go to uh, the link where I found the picture, his mugshot, you can see his record. And he's already been detained twice for driving under the influence, according to their records. And you and I both know that when you get caught, that's not the first time you've done it. How many times has Jay Uso, I'm sorry, Jimmy Uso, driven home drunk and hadn't gotten caught? I mean, if you if you consider two official times as your base, and you consider he's probably been doing this most of his adult life, extrapolate that at least by 40, at least by 80. How many times is he driving home from work, from the Thunderdome or whatever, drunk? This is a problem, and he's got to get his life under control. I don't know why it's not, doesn't really affect Jay too. Maybe it's because he's married, now somebody drive him home. I don't know what the deal is. Um, maybe because uh, they're, I think they're actually... I don't know if they're identical. I think they're actually fraternal. Maybe things happen differently. Maybe one is more, has a proclivity for another. All I know is, is that this guy needs help. And if he doesn't take advantage of WWE's treatment program and he gets sober as a vicar, then he will definitely kill somebody. And then the law will decide when his rehab will be. And it'll start immediately when he gets sentenced to 20 years in prison for manslaughter. So I'm not ashamed to bury Jey Uso right here. I have, there's no shame in my game about it. Bill DeMott has even said on his Facebook page, uh, openly questioning why WWE continues to employ this guy. And it's not just because Bill DeMott is bitter and angry or how he was released as a trainer and a coach for NXT. Bill DeMott's daughter actually died by a drunk driver. She was killed on her way home. So, you know, he's got a place where he's actually for real about it. And as long as Jey Uso continues to get behind a wheel after drinking, as long as he doesn't address his alcoholism, as long as he doesn't get into the WWE's... Uh, wellness program and uh, put himself into rehab, the state's going to do it for him. And the worst part about that is, is that Florida is a no fault state. So he could kill someone and probably not see very, a very big sentence uh, uh, either, which is even worse. So uh, get your act together, man. It just, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just a guy talking about wrestling in my basement, but Get your act together. I can't say the S word. I want to say the S word, but get your crap together, Jimmy Uso. It's it's just, it's ridiculous at this point. All right. Well, uh, because he's on SmackDown um, and that the bloodline is one of the only uh, really good angles in the entire WWE or whatever, SmackDown's feeling itself lately and they really thinking that they're the best and they're growing and they just want the best talent. Also, this is also part and parcel of what I told you last week about Vince McMahon personally going down to the performance center into NXT and looking at talent and lo and behold, SmackDown is calling up NXT stars, Shotzi Blackheart and Tegan Knox to the main roster where they will be known just as Shotzi and Knox because Vince McMahon doesn't like names. He doesn't like two names, even though he had Hulk Hogan, Brutus Beefcake, Randy Savage. He doesn't like two names. He just likes one name, and that's what they're going to do. Um, conspicuous by her absence, Ember Moon. And also, interestingly enough, Tegan Knox debuted back from injury at the Great American Bash to antagonize 
Candice LeRae. So I find it really interesting that she basically uh, got a cup of coffee from NXT and is now getting hot shot to the quote unquote main roster. So I have a couple of theories. One is that the reason why Ember Moon didn't come up is they don't want it to seem as a faction. That's one. Two, I'm probably guessing that Ember Moon did not enjoy her run on Raw, even though she was somewhat predominantly featured. So, um, you know, it could be a personal choice for Ember Moon, or it could be that it's kind of like Major League Baseball when you call up a player. You only have so many times you can call up a player to the quote-unquote big leagues. So WWE, especially Vince McMahon, are continuing the dynamic that NXT is developmental. And as long as Vince see, that's the problem. As much of a visionary, as much of a genius as Vince McMahon is, once he's stuck on something, it's done. He's stuck in amber about it. He doesn't change. He's immovable. And it could be a detriment. Obviously, there's plenty of things going on in WWE that Vince McMahon is more of a hindrance for uh, than a progressive thinker about. So I think once Triple H sold Vince the idea of having their own the WWE's own training facility and not have to rely on random independence and make deals and contracts like they used to do in the day. That once he convinced Vince McMahon that we should have a developmental performance center, it was over. It was over in Vince's mind. Vince never imagined that NXT would not only become its own entity, but it also become the main show on his brand and furthermore surpass both SmackDown and Raw. And I think that's also part of it too, is that Vince doesn't want to admit that Raw stinks. He's okay with SmackDown, you know, improving things because Raw is his baby. And for someone to question it and say it's terrible, he just doesn't, it doesn't register. It it doesn't go through his thought processes. But objectively speaking, NXT is the best brand of the three major brands for WWE. And Vince is afraid to admit it. So instead... He just considers it developmental. He doesn't consider it a third brand, per se, on par with Raw and SmackDown. And he'll pick and choose any talent that he wants to, and that ends up being Shotzi and Knox. So, again, going back to the baseball analogy, you can only call people up so many times, apparently. And I think that they're giving Tegan Knox her shot now because she said so many knee injuries that the window is closing quickly for her. Not saying she's not athletic, not saying that she doesn't deserve it, not saying anything else other than it's kind of uh, serendipitous for her to be able to have a spot or at least get a call up to SmackDown. At the same time, she just came back from her knee surgery. She's basically going to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing double knee braces, which is fine. It's just, uh, you know, probably limits her offense even more. And since she's kind of new to SmackDown, nobody really knows what she's all about. As far as Shotzi goes, my heart breaks. I wish they wouldn't have called her up because they're just going to bury her. just going to ruin her. It's kind of over now for Shotzi because Shotzi's character fits perfectly in NXT, kind of ruggedly outlaw independent she's got that independent feel her look her attitude you know what is she going to be able to like talk about how balls she she is not on fox not on fox she isn't she's not going to talk about how ballsy she is she's going to have them cut off to be fair 
she's going to have her balls cut off by Fox and the points that they're giving Vince McMahon. Uh, I don't think Shotzi is going to be anything like Shotzi Blackheart. And she's going to hate it. And her, and she's going to die inside. And then she's going to get miserable. And then she's going to get de-pushed. And then she's going to get sent back down. And then she's going to uh, wait her contract out. And then she's going to not resign. And then she'll be in Shimmer. And she'll be in Ring of Honor. And she'll be in other places that deserve to have her. Not AEW. Because I don't want her to be poisoned in that way. Hmm. That's not tea, that's coffee. Anyway, so I'm not optimistic about Shotzi and uh, Knox's future on the blue brand, but we shall see. I don't really watch the blue brand either. I probably should, but like I said, I have pretty much banned myself from watching Raw and SmackDown per se enough to talk about it with you, so... Um, but I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll bend my own, uh, silly little rules or maybe I'll amend them or whatever to catch what's going on just so I can be up on it. Just so I could be relevant to the discussion. I don't know. We'll see. It's my podcast and I do what I want to do what I want to do what I want to. So speaking of wasted talent, Speaking of people, of WWE stars or former stars who completely uh, had a wasted opportunity after they were called up for NXT, out of the literal blue, or should I say black, a former NXT superstar showed up and made an appearance at AEW's uh, Road Rager. And it was none other than, at that moment, they called him Tommy End, formerly known as Alistair Black, now going by Malachi Black, has, in fact, made an appearance and has signed with AEW. He came in a la Paul Heyman ECW because that's the only entrance anybody knows anymore. And he showed up, came in the ring. He delivered, they're not calling it black mass anymore. I think they're calling it black hypnosis or something. I don't know. Um, and he gave black mass to Arn Anderson, who to his credit sold it pretty well. And then uh, hit Cody with it as well. Uh, you know they're going to go for a uh, I was discarded story angle. And sure enough, if you dig deep enough on Tommy N's Twitter account, you can probably see similar statements toward that. He had some cryptic things before he signed. And I think they're kind of settling into a... Uh, a character with him very similar to the one that Vince and he were going to work out. So the formerly known as Alistair Black will be known as Malachi Black, and he will kind of have, again, the same character mannerisms, same storyline as he was going to have with Vince. And apparently in an interview, Tommy and Malachi Black said that, he was actually very close to working on coming back specifically with Vince. Vince was trying to tweak his entrance music. He was trying to tweak different things about the character. But uh, in the end, he had a positive discussion with Vince. And that's kind of well documented, too. It's weird how he... It's not weird to be amicable when you leave your job. But it is weird to be so effusive when you do as far as uh, Alistair Black goes. And those of you who are wondering how he came to AEW so quickly, oh, the master of the no uh, 90 uh, day compete clause, the NDAs and all that stuff was outfoxed by a clerical error. That's right. When Alistair Black signed his contract with WWE, 
there was a clerical error that instead of 90-day no-compete clause was a 30-day no-compete clause. So there you go. Yup, take that, a uh, WWE. I don't know if this is going to get me to watch, keeping it real with you. As much as I've banned myself from watching Raw and SmackDown, you know I've banned AEW because they've let me down so much before. Because it's been awful. And I don't actually think it's going to get better. But it might be intriguing to see Malachi Black. He was told specifically by JR. JR said in an interview that they are going to bring him here to be a star. He's not going to be a filler. He's just going to be a star. Okay, whatever that means. Team up with Andrade and uh, find some other random goof in the back and you can be the uh, you know what Adam Page that'd be perfect if you had Adam Page Andrade and Malachi Black in a faction you can call themselves uh, Ingobernables de AEW that would be perfect it would be perfect but what do I know I'm just a guy sitting in my basement talking about professional wrestling well good luck to him good luck to Malachi Black I hope he does become the star he was destined to be when he was in WWE I don't know what else to say other than really WWE just completely dropped the ball and should have made him a better bigger brighter star than he was and it's a shame um, just reiterating that once Vince McMahon is gone, uh, the product might actually get a lot better. So I don't know, but that's how that is. That's how that's working. There are quite a few that, sorry, take two. There are quite a few malcontents, ne'er-do-wells, miscreants in combat sports, in the world of MMA and wrestling and all that stuff. And what we'll do is we will take a quick, quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor 3, and the possibility that there might be a 4. So stick around. Be back in a few. All right, guys. Thanks for joining me here on the Heel and Face podcast a podcast dedicated to the world of professional wrestling brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. So glad you joined me today. Uh, I had to take a quick drink, quick break, and come back and get into this whole UFC thing. And before we do that, though, I know like a lot of you like to rep brands. You like to rep UFC. You like to rep WWE. Well, there's uh, other cool brands that you could rep, including... Heel Turn Wrestling's brand. That's right. All you need to do is go to ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Heel Turn Wrestling, all one word, and you can enjoy all of our merch. And why wouldn't you? I mean, let's be brutally honest. You know, you can only buy so many Young Bucks t-shirts. You can only buy so many vintage Macho Man t-shirts. But what you really want to do is you really want to get your hands on the fastest growing fan oriented fan driven sports entertainment website on the planet how do you do that how do you rep our brand you just go there like i said to prowrestlingtees.com backslash heel turn wrestling or just go to prowrestlingtees.com and look us up you can find out all of our information there on how to order some cool shirts, including Billy Alexander's Franchise Take 5 podcast. You can go down to Alcoholic Adam, the great interviewer, blogger, and Meme God's t-shirt. You can rep the whole brand, Heel Turn Wrestling, and see how that goes for you. But of course, if you want to be the dopest, flyest kid on your block, you definitely need to check out the cleanest looking t-shirt on uh, Heel Turn Wrestling's site. The Heel and Face Podcast t-shirt. Beautiful there in all white, daddy. So take a look at our merch. Please buy it. All your friends want to. That's ProWrestlingTees.com backslash Heel Turn Wrestling. Yeah. Woo, that's it. And as I said to you, that there are plenty of dirt bags. This is the uh, dirt bag edition of the Heel and Face Podcast. And no better 
way to talk about it, to lead into it, other than let's get to UFC 264, Poirier versus McGregor, and the completely biggest dirtbag in the world today, Conor McGregor. I don't know how Conor McGregor continues to have fans. I'm almost, I actually am. I'm ashamed. At what point I was vibing with Conor McGregor, full disclosure, I'm not uh, bullcrapping or anything like that. I was, I was intrigued by McGregor. I thought he was uh, funny and had swag and blah, blah, blah. But then when you go back, it's kind of like the scene at the end of Usual Suspects where, spoiler alert, uh, the detective finds out that verbal Kent was actually Kaiser Soze. It's like if you go back and you look at all the things that McGregor has said or done in his past, it went from like, oh, that's charming, that's cute, oh, he's just an old school guy, oh, he's just trying to get up uh, get up some pub for the fights, oh, he's, he's a renegade, oh, he's an outlaw, he says what he wants, he's cool, he does what he wants. And that just compounds and compounds and snowballs into what a piece of garbage. His post-fight interview, first of all, the fact that uh, he broke his leg kicking the diamond Dustin Poirier. And then on top of that, they try to play it off. And then all that kinetic energy coming from Poirier's hammer fist, Kaplow snapping uh, McGregor's ankle completely for him. And then he had the nerve to say, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't it. That didn't do it. He didn't do it. It was already broke or some crazy. It was broke when I stepped backwards. Man, you've been stepping backwards your entire career as far as a fighter. You've had that same stance for like 10 years, and now you're going to say you took one step back in, in the wrong way? Huh? That don't even make sense. What a piece of garbage. Well, let's uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. I'm going to talk about Poirier versus McGregor 3 and how Dana White has already implied that there's going to be a 4 after Poirier takes on uh, Charles Oliveria. So, um Let's go. I did not catch the entire, I didn't catch a lot of the prelims and apparently should have because, yeah, it was nuts. One of the prelims, and here's where we go, where we tie it into uh, pro wrestling. In one of the prelims, Mike Piera, I think I said his name right. I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm going to double check. Um, now, of course, the announcers, because they're not going to really call the move. But, oops, sorry about that. Um, because uh, they're not going to actually call the move. They called it a backflip. So, uh, Piera did a backflip on his opponent while he was prone. And um, he got into a better position on top. But it was a standing moonsault. Because deep down, all of these UFC fighters are wrestling fans as much as they don't want to admit it as much as they you know may have secret disdain for professional wrestling these guys are all fans they all approach their matches the same way as a pro wrestler would with swagger and all that and they have they have uh, walk-up music and they have robes and um, of course a lot of them rep their home countries and their nationalities and that's great whatever um, you know what's different from a Mexican or Brazilian fighter draping herself or himself in a Brazilian or Mexican flag, uh, how much different is that from Ric Flair walking out in a robe? It's not. It's not. You're not going to convince me that it is. It's just more nationalistic, but I don't want to get on some tangent. I want to talk to you about the similarities of last night. Um, and it wasn't just uh, Pieria doing, I'm butchering his name and I do apologize, doing a backflip onto his opponent. And he eventually won. So, I mean, hey, if you pull out the wrestling moves, uh, it'll work. It'll work. The, the next match that, again, has, in my mind, a similarity to pro wrestling is you get the cocky, arrogant, for all intenses, purposes, I'm sorry, intense and purposes, not intensive purposes, that doesn't exist as a phrase, but for all intents and purposes, Sean O'Malley was the heel, or at least he did a switch in the match against uh, Chris Moutinho. Uh, so apparently 
Sean O'Malley was not supposed to fight Chris Moutinho, that uh, he was a late night or late last minute replacement. And uh, this kid won some fans last night and won a fan in me last night anyway. But, uh, you know, Sean O'Malley, uh, he's very much like Floyd Mayweather. He did not want to get hit and he was very good at eluding uh, Mutino. Now, uh, for Mutino's credit, this dude, this kid was game. This this kid, this kid has like an iron face. His face is made of titanium. It's literally made of vibranium. I believe that his skull was infused in the same way Wolverine's uh, skeleton was infused with vibranium because he was taking straight shots from Sean O'Malley to the face. I'm not saying, by the way, that I dislike O'Malley. I actually do like O'Malley a lot, uh, but... Uh, he, I, he's got something. He's he's cool. I mean, he's he's awkward. He's different in that respect. He's kind of like Matt Riddle slash RVD, if you know what I mean. I don't think he necessarily goes a chemically induced route like those guys do. Maybe he does. Maybe he doesn't. Who knows? I think he actually did. No, yeah, that's right. Because when he won, I think he did a little, you know, like that, like a little puff, puff pass. Now he's going to go home and celebrate chemically. So maybe he is. So I'm going to take that all back. To say that I like O'Malley, you know, again, his character, his personality is crazy. Um, you know, he continues to wear struggle braids, which means he's been through, been through some things in his life that uh, he doesn't want to discuss. But, oh, well, at least fighting saved him. And uh, he's got the multicolored hair. He's just got everything working. He's he's hilarious. And I think he's kind of the classic. He's the baby face that does heel stuff. He, he's like he's like Steve Austin in this in that sense. He talks a lot of crap. Uh, he's the baddest dude in the bantamweight division, pretty much. But he's also like supposed to be uh, uh, he's supposed to be a bad guy, but people cheer him like he's a good guy. And I think that's kind of the beauty of UFC too. Is the you the lines are a little more blurry in that sense. Uh, Malley's just was peppering Mutino with jabs and hooks and crosses right in the face. And then he would come because O'Malley likes to talk. Um, he threw some kicks, head kicks at him, spinning kicks, and, uh, you know, talking crap throughout the whole time. Uh, he dropped his hands like Floyd, daring Mutino to come in. And Mutino, for his credit, man, like I said, he was game. He moved forward perpetually. He was always attacking O'Malley because I think that was kind of the, the game. I think that was kind of the plan for Mutino. I mean, what did he have to lose? He was a last minute addition. He wasn't even supposed to be there. It was like Dante from Clerks. I wasn't even supposed to be here, man. And he showed up. Not only that, but he was tough as nails and he knew he was going to take it to O'Malley. He had O'Malley caught a couple of times. Uh, not going to lie. If he would have put just a slightly better game plan together, um, he might've been able to do some damage. Um, he didn't connect a lot, but because O'Malley again's got great defense, but like striking defense. But uh, the dude didn't quit, and he kept even egging uh, O'Malley on. Bring it, bring it. I mean, uh, what? How does this guy train by taking sledgehammers to the face? Uh, this kid has got guts, and uh, if he can improve the record a little bit, if if Dana White wants to give him the three fight deal, three fight contract, uh, I I would definitely recommend that. So uh, Sean O'Malley. Kind of a Steve Austin, kind of a Matt Riddle, RVD, kind of hybrid of a guy. Uh, talks a lot of crap, but gets it done in the ring. He's very popular, and he's got lots of skills. He's also very much like Floyd. Uh, likes to jab, likes to do low kicks, likes to do head kicks. He just sticks and moves, sticks and moves until he takes advantage, and then he goes in for the kill. Um even O'Malley was upset at the end because Herb Dean inexplicably ended the match 30 seconds before uh, the third round was over. Apparently, he felt like Mutino had enough, but uh, as the commentators, our favorite commentators outside of WWE, I guess, uh, made a very astute point. If Mutino's moving forward and he's he looks like, I mean, he, might, he was rocked, by the way. Let's not, you know, let's not play off O'Malley's power either. He was rocked, but as long as he was moving forward and as long as he was doing, uh, being active, uh, they should have just let him go and for 30 seconds. I mean, who knows? Things have happened quicker in quicker spans. You know, 
he could have caught O'Malley with an uh, overhand right or a uppercut or whatever, and uh, could have really caught O'Malley in the last three seconds. Who knows? I know it wasn't likely, but that's why we watch sports because we're not watching for the predictable. We're watching for the unknown. And Chris Mutino did a hell of a job last night. He's got a lot of fans. I'm sure Dana is going to sign him to a three-year contract, despite the fact he's got like five losses. Um, he's uh, He is a dude, and he should be a dude, and he should be in the UFC fold uh, at, uh, you know, as quickly as possible. Um, we want to move up the card. Now, this is a match that I didn't see, unfortunately, completely. Um, it was almost over before uh, I... Uh, I could do anything about it, but here comes the second reference to professional wrestling. Irene Aldana beats uh, Yana Kunitskaya by TKO. She jumped uh, Kunitskaya at some point late in the first round and then just kept hammering her on the ground, peppering her, and uh, Yana couldn't respond, so uh, it was waved off. And Irene was a uh, champ, but um, or not champ, but uh, she won the bout. But what's uh, interesting about it is not necessarily because she won, because Irene is good, and she's definitely going to be in the mix for the uh, bantamweight uh, title. But the fact is, is that she changed her training partners pretty frequently and settled on top team top team you ask that's right you've heard that name before that's dan lambert's top team that's right the dan lambert's top team who was training with king mo and everybody in mlw until mlw did not renew their contracts and now dan lambert is with aew made an appearance and even Joe Rogan said, didn't Dan Lambert show up on pro wrestling last week? Yeah, he did, Joe. Joe, at some point, you're going to have just more than The Undertaker come in, and you're going to be talking wrestling. Once you get your Ric Flair guest on your podcast, it's over, dude. You're going to be hooked back in pro wrestling like you were apparently when you were six or seven. Uh, but uh, that unfortunately doesn't uh, that takes us away from discussing um, Irene's win. She's a complete fighter and uh, she's really good and we'll see a lot of uh, things from her in the future. Someone who I don't want to see in the future and I'm glad uh, he got knocked the hell out last night was Greg Hardy who, going back again to professional wrestling, was a classic heel last night. He embraced everybody booing him. Everybody boos this guy because uh, for everything, for like, oh, I don't know, threatening to shoot his girlfriend, pregnant girlfriend, pinning her down on the couch and whatnot and having a bunch of guns and stuff to just embracing that heel. I mean, if it doesn't work for him in a UFC, I'm probably convinced that he's going to be showing up somewhere, either on WWE or AEW or somewhere. I don't know. Maybe maybe there's too many woke uh, EVPs in AEW for Greg Hardy to show up there. Who knows? He could definitely go to Japan. He definitely fight pride, whatever. Um, I'm getting sideways with that. He lost uh, by knockout, uh, knock the out by uh, another dude, another guy who marches to the beat of his own drum from New South Wales, one of my favorites, uh, Tai Tuivasa. Uh, this dude just is hilarious. Like, he can't, his walk-up music was Lover or Wannabe from Spice Girls, and he was singing it. He's the guy who does the shoey. If you're not familiar with what shoey is, a shoey is kind of a rugby term. And, you know, Tuivasa, of course, played rugby because everybody apparently, shout out to everybody in Australia watching and listening along. I know you all play rugby in, in, in everywhere in uh, the South Pacific, everywhere in Oceania. I know you all play rugby like Australia, New Zealand, wherever, New South Wales, wherever you're from, you rep it and you play. Yeah, I love, by the way, my favorite team is the All Blacks. I'm kind of biased. Anyway, 
off topic, back to my dude, Tuvasa. Um, he wasn't playing with Greg Hardy. Um, well, Greg Hardy thought he was all that. Uh, Greg Hardy made another rookie mistake, and they tried to talk how Hardy had improved his game, and he, he, he got out of the mix and trained for seven months to come back. And I guess that's admirable, but at the same time, too, he didn't learn anything because he made another rookie mistake, swinging wildly and trying to follow it up, and he got caught with a left hook. Boom. Out. 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 So, Tuivasa wins, and of course, at the end, he said, I wanted to do a shoey with everybody, so he did like four or five shoeys on the way back uh, to the locker room. Uh, that dude is a dude. He's hilarious, and I cannot wait until he starts mixing it up with my boy Stipe, when he starts mixing it up with Negranu, uh, when he starts mixing it up with all the other fantastic heavyweights in UFC. So next was a, I like this match, but it, I had some problems with it. And unfortunately they all came from uh, Steven Wonderboy Thompson because of the things that he said and how he's, trying to make some noise and pump himself up. And I get it. He's getting older. He was fantastic as a fighter. One of the best Walter Whites ever. But, you know, his time is running out as a fighter. And I don't know how many more fights he's got left in UFC to be seriously considered a contender versus Gilbert Burns, who just basically ran through people all week. Um, now, he didn't – I'm being a little – little hyperbolic when I say that Gilbert Burns ran through people. Apparently, according to the announcers last night, that Burns has just come off winning a BJJ tournament. So his, so his training was winning another tournament and then coming to UFC. Um, and he beat one of the best uh, BJJ players in the world to, to win this tournament. So he's all hyped up. He doesn't need, you know, what does he need to spark for? He can just walk into UFC after winning a tournament and come in and beat Wonderboy. Um, the the fight definitely uh, went back and forth enough. Uh, Burns did not try to get inside Thompson at all, um, or at least very, very, very infrequently. And, and to, you know, Wonderboy's defense, his stance and his defensive positioning and whatnot didn't allow him to. So you didn't see a lot of going to the ground. You saw a lot of like uh, striking, which ended up being uh, Burns's advantage because he really did command the entire fight. Um, I don't think uh, Wonder Boy had much of an answer for him for anything. And even when they were on the ground, uh, Thompson was trying to rain down some 12 to six elbows uh, in a defensive position, but at some point when Burns finally did get Thompson to the ground, he just kind of controlled the match. Um, got a lot of good striking in and didn't really hit Thompson with any kind of knockouts or anything like that, but uh, he did, uh, he was able to uh, just effectively enough win according to the judges. So good stuff. Out of that, that was probably the most complete, the probably the most solid match out of uh, all the entire card, and uh, it was good stuff. So um, I liked that match, and that was a complete contrast to the complete and other crap fest that we had to face. Well, okay, I'm not going to say crap fest. I'm just... I'm coloring my emotions right now because I'm so done with this trash bag, Conor McGregor. I can't stress enough how much of a jerk this guy is. Like, I, I it was, it, it was, it was, it was, it's, 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 it's just, it's mind blowing. This bout didn't last very long because Poirier just basically dominated him. He overmatched him. He, Connor had no, no uh, 
answer for anything. No answer. They they got in. They started scrapping a little bit. Poirier got him down. Got him up against the wall or against the fence. Rained some offense down upon him. Uh, McGregor wasn't going anywhere. McGregor was not going anywhere. Straight up trash individual. And then, you know, I think Herb Dean was the ref. And Herb Dean pulls him back. And they come up. McGregor throws a kick. Hits Poirier on the shoulder. Bang. McGregor cracks his ankle. Now, that information comes a lot later, but we'll get to it. McGregor cracks his ankle, and he goes back into his stance. As he's defending, and he's standing up with Poirier, Poirier clocks him, bam, left hook. Now, it did get him flushed. Like, it didn't knock him out completely like Tuivasa knocked out Hardy. But, of course, as you know, these fighters, they do this all the time. These fighters are so good that they don't even have to do a full force, perfect crack to elicit anything from their opponents. Well, we also know, too, it's all about kinetics. It's all about the transfer of energy, right? And Dustin's fist, his diamond hard fist, connected with Conor McGregor's chin to the point that it sent all of his kinetic energy all through down to his feet where Conor McGregor snapped his ankle. That's right. Completely snapped the rest of his ankle due to how hard he got punched by Poirier. So McGregor wasn't knocked out. McGregor was hurt by the punch, but the force of the punch was good enough to crack his ankle the rest of the way when he tried to stand back on it. So McGregor's talking a lot of crap. McGregor's talking like he wants, uh, you know, he, that, that it, it wasn't the, that it wasn't um, what did it, that, you know, uh, the kick to Dustin's shoulder was really what did it because I think he, he checked it and cracked, cracked. But the, but the worst part was, was that again, you know, it wasn't stable and then with one punch it cracked the whole rest of the way so you know McGregor can say what he wants and he can talk all he wants uh, because he's a trash individual anyway uh, you know apparently uh, he made it very personal uh, basically tweeting that uh, Poirier is going to end up in, in the hospital he's going to end up in a casket he's going to die blah 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 and then uh, proceeded to call uh, Poirier's wife uh, a whore so that is the class individual that is Conor McGregor. I'm glad. I'm glad that people are finally seeing that this jerk. I mean, it was like last night where I watched it, when I watched it with a couple of people or whatever in the bar. Um, you know, there was a lot of chanting for McGregor, and he still got fans. I don't understand how he still got fans. But even his fans were like, what? You could hear kind of like awkward silence after he's on the ground. Now, here's the context. Joe Rogan's on the ground interviewing Conor McGregor, who's getting an air cast put on his foot. Conor McGregor grabs the mic and calls Dustin Poirier's wife a whore while he's on the ground giving the interview. He's lucky Poirier didn't jump over the 12 people that were security and murder that kid. He's lucky. He's lucky. Uh, even and his wife, I mean, Poirier's wife even flipped him off. But if I was Poirier's wife, I'd go over and kick him in his ankle too. And that's another example of how UFC 264 uh, also uh, had some pro wrestling elements in it. Uh, because Conor McGregor has gone from the classic bad B-A-double-D unstoppable uh, charming guy, you know, baby face, but anti-hero baby face, again, like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And he has completely morphed into the chicken crap heel, the heel that does anything and says anything and then slinks away and runs away from a fight. He's nothing but a punk. He's nothing but a turd. And, um, you know, uh, I'm, I'm glad he's going to be out for a while. And uh, he's just he's just a menace. Now, as far as like ankle, you know, and again, the last and final reference uh, to professional wrestling 
And you should check out our memes, by the way, at HT Wrestling 316. It's HT Wrestling 316. Check out our memes. But uh, you can uh, check out. We've been posting stuff about Sid. If you're a longtime wrestling fan like me, you've seen the picture. And I'm not going to repost it here, but um, you can see the pictures of – of uh, of Sid Vicious's ankle and how his his ankle completely snapped, and you can uh, see the uh, even Chris Candido and I don't know why um, Chris Candido doesn't get enough uh, credit for uh, or not credit I shouldn't say that I don't know why he doesn't get enough uh, notice for his uh, leg break because his leg break was worse. Uh, I don't know if it was for Sid, maybe because he had a big boot on it, but Chris Candido's leg was broken and his bone was sticking out of his leg. That, I think, was worse than Sid's uh, injury. And ironically to Sid and Chris, that they both never did, like, second rope moves. They both never came off the turnbuckle. Uh, And uh, with McGregor, now again, I saw Anderson Silva break his leg from a leg check. I've seen worse, and it's happened in UFC before, checking people's legs bone on bone. That usually doesn't turn out well. But as far as like, – it was gross when it happened and all that, but it wasn't ultimately as bad as, as as it looked. And it looked mostly like a rolled ankle, but you could tell it was broken. You could tell that it was broken after after he threw it and Poirier checked him. So uh, congrats to Poirier. Uh, he's on his way to being champ, I think. He's got uh, Oliveria next. And, of course, Dana, being the old-school wrestling booker that he is, announced immediately uh, in the press conference that not only will Poirier go on to fight Oliveria, but there will, in fact, when McGregor heals up, be Poirier-McGregor 4, because that's what classic pro-wrestling promoters do, is that they give the people what they want, and they book things and milk rivalries and programs with each other until he's bled them dry. So that's it. Hey, we went a good hour talking about MMA, which is something that I don't specifically talk about on the program. Like I, like I said, uh, I don't usually just talk a ton of MMA on the show, but I do dabble in it. And this lineup, this card was so good that it needed to be talked about. And on top of that, it had so many elements of pro wrestling in it that it's undeniable. There's a lot coming up next week. Next week, we will have, most likely have results. I don't know. I shouldn't say I'm not going to watch it. But I don't know if I'm going to watch Impact. But there's going to be results from Impact. We'll discuss the fallout between the uh, Slammiversary match between Sammy Callahan and Kenny Omega for both Impact Wrestling Championship belts. We already know how that's going to go, but it'll be interesting to discuss it anyway. And also, we'll we'll be close to Battle Riot 3 as well, I believe. there uh, It's going to be made available. It's going to happen. So there's going to be some stuff that we can definitely talk about, plus whatever happens in WWE and AEW. Um, and as far as uh, AEW goes, apparently the last two shows have been really good, and I missed them. So maybe it's a thing where I should just not watch AEW. If I don't watch AEW, then it'll be good. Because if I watch AEW, then it's going to suck, and I want them to be good. Despite how you think I feel about AEW, I do want them to be good for nothing else but for competition's sake. And WWE is going to come and go. It's going to happen. So we've got lots to talk about. Lots to look forward to next week. Plus predictions for Money in the Bank. So got a lot to look forward to coming up next week. Thanks for joining me on the Heel and Face podcast brought to you by Heel Turn Wrestling. Uh, I'll see you next week. Have a good one, guys. And as always, peace. Peace.